Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. Fitzy, had you uh, had you signed with the Roosters at that point, or did it come after the grand final? No. Come after the grand final. Um, yeah, I probably probably wore a bit of flack for leaving in the end, but the, the reality of what happened was I was negotiate throughout that um, semi and a couple other things that happened, and wasn't feeling um, like I was a you know, priority. And at the end of it, I still, if you if you're a player and you're off contract, you, you know that most guys are signing in like. Signed in June, July, August, aren't they? They're not. Um, they're still unsigned after the grand final. So I actually went. I uh, went and had a few beers with the boys, and I was still undecided about what to do. And um, went up to um, went up to Sydney on like the Thursday, or Wednesday, Thursday, something like that, and met Bernie Gurr and um, Phil Gould, and agreed then. So I hadn't actually signed anywhere until after the grand final. So um, that was a big call, and. History would tell me I made the right call there, but it was still tough. I'm, I'm so close with all the guys that I'd grown up playing with in the Illawarra, and I'm still close friends with all of them, and I still live down here, so it's a big attachment for me. So, it's a big call, but I feel like it was the right one. Yeah, I, uh, I'm willing to bet you've made worse decisions in your life. <laughs> it's paid off well for me, put it that way. The opportunity to be in such a great team when I, when I signed with the Roosters and players and an era we had there as a team, and then now to, um, for them, I played there for 10 years and for them to, to give me a, a position now to coach for the last nine years, it's, um, I, I couldn't, yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought when I signed that it was going to be such a good relationship for me, but um, yeah, I'm one of my, my second family now. Mate, you um, you obviously signed with the Roosters, they're captained by Brad Fittler, the Australian captain at the time. Tell me about the first time you met Freddie. Called me. I remember um, after it all happened, I got a few mates that um, grew up in West Wyalong, and we just went out to West Wyalong just to go motorbike ride and hang out and a few beers. I just wanted to get out of it, like um, get away and, and chill out for a bit. And I remember um, I just phone call. I didn't know the number, so I just let it ring through and left a message. And I'd feel like, oh, shit, Brad Fittler called and left me a message. That's when I sort of hit home, you know. So I had to... Um, back and have a chat he was just just 
pretty. Just, mate, welcome. Great, good state sign, mate. Just so, so welcoming, so calming. And then, um, that, you know, from then on, everything was a pretty, pretty seamless move uh, in the end. Mate, your uh, your coach there was of course Graham Murray. Um, you know, strange little turn of events that obviously a few years before that he was the coach of the Illawarra Steelers, and your dad um, took over from him. It's uh, it's a weird little world rugby league, isn't it? It's round and it's not that big, and everyone seems to come back around, and it's it's great for that reason too. You know, while we all get um, everyone competitive towards each other, it's very tribal. Um, always a war of words there's always a bit of angst towards other people and whatever but main rugby league people are great guys and and you always when you put those club differences or team differences aside mate everyone gets on great like it's such a good community and one benefit i've been lucky enough is the involvement in rep footy you just get to hang out with people from other clubs and where it's so exciting it's so fun and it really is filled with great people and we have our hiccups from time to time where people slip up, that's for sure. But um, the same reason as the boys are lunatics on the field, you, know, you can't just isolate that one part of their life. It's very hard to slip up from time to time. But listen, on the main, people you meet in rugby league forge, forge friendships for years. And, um, just, again, you're probably sometimes probably doing it now. You probably need to sit back a little bit more often and realise how lucky you are. Solomona finding Fitzgibbon. He's over the line, Fitzgibbon! Mate, I, uh, I've spoken to, obviously, Bernie Gurr and your good mate Anthony Minicello over the last few weeks, and they spoke about that 2000 grand final. You essentially came up against a kangaroo side that day, didn't you? Yeah, the unlimited uh, interchange. Don't quote me on it, but did they make 50-something changes? It was some astronomical amount of interchange. It was ridiculous, yeah. It was, it was, it was a different like game. It wasn't rugby league. It was crazy. And the, the quality of their team and... Um, and mate, they're wrong like Thorn and Webkin. and oh mate, just just relentless. But um listen, we got back in the game, I scored that try late and then I kicked the goal from the solo, but it hit the, the crossbar to make it four and six. If we got fourteen eight, who knows? But I would have thought we were we were lucky to get back into the game, not pretty dominant. Um so where we were at as a young team there at the Roosters, we had some still Freddie and then off experience Freddie Rico, that's what I got but um, that was a well-oiled machine, that Brisbane unit. I reckon that uh, that sound of the ball hitting the crossbar would have uh, echoed through your head for a while just quietly. Looked like a pin-perfect kick. Yeah, it, no, nah, it's not lost on me that it might have changed um, the outcome. And they're the kicks that you live for. Is that the kicker is right on the touchline. Uh, I thought I did everything right, obviously. Just in little legs, didn't hit the thing hard enough, eh? It's one of the very few times I've seen you not make the distance on a kick. Off the top of my head, I can't remember many other times when you haven't uh, got past the try line. Yeah, I'd have had a few. I did have some periods there where I, I, um, I think there's a little balance on for the, my style of kicking where obviously I was always fatigued being a back row. So, um, and one thing I used to do when I was tired, if I try and kick too hard, it's hard to explain this, but it's, it's actually biomechanical if I if I'm really tired and I try and kick the ball too hard I sink down on my front leg and it makes me hook the ball and part of keeping the ball straight in the air you got to got to keep my head over the ball and keep my hips up and tall so I just was always reminding myself don't don't overhit it because I'll miss this was all about the routine of hitting the ball properly and you know most of the time it worked out but 
couple of times I didn't leave enough in it. Fitzy, I spoke to uh, Daryl Halligan a few months ago and he went through his kicking routine and he said the biggest mistake people make is trying to kick the shit out of the ball when they're tired, essentially. He had a, he had a certain routine that he followed that was the same in the first minute as it was in the 80th minute. Did you have a certain yeah. routine that you followed or, or a certain training program for your kicking you did during the week? 100% had similar routine. The work with Daryl over a few years, he was great for me but um, as well. But no, definitely managing... The fatigue for me was the number one thing. Obviously, um, the the load of the, the forward is probably a bit higher than outside backs or whatever. But everyone's hard. Like everyone too is kicking that ball in a game's tired. So I didn't see that as an excuse. But I had to really quickly, as soon as we score, try and get my heart rate back down and clear the mind. And, and mate, when you're in a footy game, it's hard to explain. But your your brain sounds like it's got signals crashing in it and static and noise. It's just like carnage in there. So to try and get your head to calm down back to baseline and then try and um, go through a routine was that was important. And, and not kicking the shit out of the ball was that was part of the routine. I was just trying to slow everything down and pick yourself back up. And um, but definitely rely on a routine to do it. Mate, we spoke about that 2000 grand final, and I don't know how you want to describe them or what do you what what you want to call these players. But in my opinion, every team to win a comp, they need a real prick in their team. The other team doesn't want to come up against. And I think that man for you arrived in 2001, Adrian Morley. Tell me about Moz. Um, it's like a split personality, Moz, because you've never met a bigger gentleman, and it's like he's such. Uh, been fortunate because of the Roosters. The, the last we've been over in England for the World Cup challenges, so I got to hang out. Well, we stayed right near where Moz lives, so we spent heaps of time with him. It's like he's just never separated. He's such a good man. He's just an absolute gentleman, and and just has white one feet as soon as he crosses his stride. It's just win at all costs, and he's just the sort of player that you want to have in your your team and, and not against him. And and he was hugely influential in his style of play. And we had like a we had a really good balance. We had some sort of like uh, like worker players like myself and Rico Mods for some impact and then you had some creative guys in Flannery and Crocker and, and you know we just had a and then we all knew one thing that we all knew this was really simple um, you know the impact of Mini and, and Wingy as well but we all knew if we got close enough on the scoreboard that Freddie would ice the game um, and you know going into a game with a real clear mindset and hey we'll do our jobs we'll roll the sleeves up and get all the work done and um, if it's close, Freddie will sort it out. And it's not, you know, minis and wingies. Those guys, are, they're hard to handle and they've got points in them everywhere. So it was just such a good balance to the team. Were you uh, were you playing in the test match where Adrian Morley uh, took off Robbie Kearns' head in the first eight seconds of the game yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah, I sure was. I sure was. So, um, my late, we only just won that game. We, got the three. we only just won all three tests, actually, on the bill. Um, yeah, but, uh, I remember... He winked at me on my finger in the anthem, and then um, he more or less just started. Yeah, he winked, sang the anthem, shook hands, and then he comes up with that. I was like, oh, that's just a, I knew he had white line fever, but not like that. <laughs> Mate, speaking of Morley, um, you get to you get to that two thousand and two grand final, and I spoke to Bernie Gurr last week about the Richard Villasanti hit on Freddie being a turning point, and it really it flicked a switch in uh, Adrian Morley, didn't it? It started the catalyst. I think was starting to grind them back down, grind them back down, but then that happened, and it was like it happened immediately, didn't it? I think Moss got him the next set, and then um, 
and then Freddie come up with a couple of big plays, and then we just we, we blew them away in the end there. But um, yeah, it, it was a big big moment in the game. It's a big moment in grand final history. No one's going to forget that. And um, uh, definitely definitely the turning a turning point for us um, in getting the victory. And, we're going to back ourselves to go back in there, but it probably had a, a fair bearing on the the, the amount of um, that we did in the last 20 minutes, I suppose. Back for Shannon Hegarty. There's a chance for Fitzgibbon. Fitzgibbon must be horribly close. Mate, that 2002 grand final night, obviously you win your first premiership. It's your third grand final in, in what, four years. Um, you've lost two of them. You win that. You pick up the Clive Churchill medal. You score another try in a grand final. Your third try in a grand final. I, I'd i be shocked if there's another four, whatever, that scored playing three consecutive grand finals. What a night for you. Yeah, it was great. Um, just, uh, just a culmination of everything. And um, you would have heard about, um, you would have heard about our training and how hard we worked throughout the course of the years. Ricky's first year, um, we we set some new standards for ourselves as a club in our preparation and training, and much hard work had gone into it. So you have um, just, the, it's like the ultimate relief when it's over. It's such a good feeling. I wish. And you're just so privileged in your life to be part of it. And a lot of people don't get that. And, yeah, you can't. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to put into words because you've heard everyone talk about it. Surely, like you've heard anyone who's ever won or played in their final, they talk about that. And everyone will say the same thing. But it, it is really hard to put a, a set of words together to make you go, oh, yeah, I get it. You know? Um, just a huge relief after a bloody long and hard year. Fitzy, when I spoke to Anthony Minicello a few weeks ago, he mentioned um, those that preseason with Ricky Stewart was just on another level, and Minnie described how hard it was. And then a few weeks later, I had um I had a bloke that was in your extended squad who messaged me and said, "Fuck, like if if you can understand how hard Minicello found it, he was the fittest one there. The rest of us, it was just absolute torture." <laughs> what do you remember from those sessions? Yeah, yeah, we went hard, eh? Like we had a, we went hard, mate. Um, you know, not to run through session plans or anything like that, but it was. I don't, I don't. I think it was probably just an, an acknowledgement of looking at the squad. We're all sort of tall, leaner guys, you know. We're all sort of six two, six threes, forwards, and pretty athletic. And I suppose all had a, an element of fitness in our game. And and maybe Ricky just decided to go with the, the fitness and defence, but. Mate, it was it was excruciatingly hard, and and that a direct um that's a direct answer for like it, it, it we mate, it was responsible for the way we played, and it was responsible for winning the grand final. So it was worth it, whatever it was. It might have been bloody hard, and it might have been scary to think about. And and however hard we'll describe it, it won't match what actually happened either. But it was worth it. And do it again if it was going to guarantee your premiership, wouldn't you? Mate, you worked hard on the field. Off the field, you guys had a great time. Have you got a um, House of Grouse story for me? Uh, <laughs> me run through the House of Grouse City. He, he mentioned it, but he was he played a pretty straight bat for me, so I'm hoping I can get something uh, out of you. Uh, I'll, I'll keep a straight bat with it as well. But a wild times. Times are different than to now. And we definitely um, fully trained hard and played hard on and off the field. Um, but one thing we never did, and um, pardon my language, we didn't. F with the footy, you know, like we just turned up. Like whatever we did on a Friday, Saturday night, when we come back Monday ready to go. And uh, well, I, I don't, I, even though it might have seeped over into our 
um, preparation, it, I just don't remember it ever being an anchor to our performance, and I don't remember it being an anchor to the way we prepared for games because we were training so hard. But I would say that it's, it's not ideal preparation in the current climate. <laughs> it'd have been a big advantage to be given to another club. I think everyone might have been doing it at that stage. Ask you, mate. Obviously, you know when you played in the early two thousands compared to now, would you rather play when you played? Uh, well, mate, I'm I'm terrified after boys playing now. So I was terrified back then too. So it doesn't make much difference to me. Um, I, the, the, the fear of complete exhaustion was always huge for me. Man. Like it always, I was so nervous game day, and I never reacted to the nerves, but I just always felt like, what am I doing? Like, it's really, and then the feeling of being um, finishing the game and then it's going to sound perverse. I love the feeling of being bashed up and like you know shit kicked out of here and whatever that feeling sitting there with the boys after a game and sitting with your team members and your blood be bruised up bashed up I'm paid good money to feel like that again I'm not going to do it but it's um it's priceless it really is so I'll watch what the guys go through now I mean I was physically probably not the biggest strongest guy mate these guys are 10 miles and legs off nowadays I think it's tough to answer I'd love to have I would love to have the preparation that the guys have now to see what sort of Athleticism level you could get to, but listen, the the the, the era back then was bloody hard, and it's still bloody hard now. It's a great game for that reason, and uh, everyone's searching for the extra one percent to improve. But there's some big tough boys on the field nowadays. Speaking of improvement, mate, obviously the end of that 2002 season, you've come so far. You make your Kangaroos debut. Uh, how did you find out you'd been picked to represent Australia? Yeah, we're well, just on the on on the beers, mate. I know it's got a phone call and. Um, I remember, like, just numb. Like, I hadn't, I hadn't played, um, I played country that year. I hadn't played State of Origin yet. So, um, I remember walking out, just ringing mum and dad straight away. That was the first thing I did. I just, and the boys, the boys were going mad. First, it was myself and we um, that made it. And then I just remember just having such a great time. We just won. Back of a hard year. And then I remember the boys were going mad. First, they met you know, screaming and shouting, so it was great. It was such a, such a good memory. Was it pretty daunting walking into that camp? You know, obviously you hadn't played State of Origin. You'd only played three or four years of first grade, same as Wingy. Mm-hmm. How was that feeling walking into camp? It was a bit intimidating. Gordon was the captain and um, he and Shane Webke, big forward, Petra. I was, I was a little bit intimidated, but I was also, at the time, all playing good footy. Um, and, and I was also, um, I had a confidence in, a confidence in my ability to play big games where I felt like I was going to, even though I was intimidated by those guys individually and, and you know, it's your first crack and they've been in there for, you know, six, seven years already, they've been over Australia. So I knew I'd be a new young kid, but I was also going, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a style of footy that makes these guys respect me quickly and I was confident in the fact that if I got enough time on the field, I was on the bench. I was confident if Chris... Anderson was going to get, he was the coach at the time. Give me enough time on the field that I would, um, uh, that I would show these guys that I was, you know, could be a valuable team member for them and they'd respect the way I played footy. So, um, you know, we got a win. Um, did I play great? I sort of went okay without, without, um, shining, I don't think, but it set me up for a, a decent, uh, Australian rep career for the year, coming years after where I felt like I had a good, good time playing alongside those guys. 2003 rolls around, mate, and winning premierships is hard. Defending them is obviously incredibly more difficult. What changes did you guys make that year? Yeah, winning after winning is a good question. We have as coaches now a lot, and um, I'm sure Ricky and the coaching staff are having it back then as well, where 
it, you want to stick true to who you are as a team and as a club, and and we still did um, with the Roosters back then. I think we stuck true to the our defensive principles where we're you know we're big athletic team with line speed, and, and we we stuck true to an aggressive style of play, and um, you know some just fine moments where we we didn't capitalise on maybe field position or opportunities, however you want to call it. But I think we represented the style of play we wanted to have. We just fell short, which is disappointing. So it's very hard. You want to all the while still represent the way you play, the way you defend and all that. But you get, you have to do have a couple of elements that can um, catch an opposition out. But you can't you can't go into a game thinking about those couple of elements because if you're trying to win a grand final via trick shot, trying to win a grand final via a trick play, it ain't going to happen. You got to win a grand final by you know the best representation of your style of play as a club, um, your style of defence, your style of attack, and and do it to the best of your ability to win the big game. Now we probably represented it, but it wasn't as at the level that we had been previously. Mate, hindsight is a fantastic tool, and if you were to use it now, based on what you've learnt over the 2018-29 season when you guys went back to back, is there you know is there anything you would implement that Trent Robinson had put in over that two year span that you think could have come in handy for your side back in 02 and 03? No, like I yeah I don't I don't think um I don't I don't I wouldn't say there was a, an actual element. Trent, we've kept it very simple for our last couple of years. And, and I mean, I, I, we were all clear as to what we were trying to do in those, back in 2003 and four. But if you have our, our style of play and, um, again, our defence and, and everything we were trying to achieve back then, we just obviously didn't do it to the level that had made us so successful. It was still a damn good showing of yourself to get to a grand final and play that way. But then it'll forever burn us that all of us didn't play our best footy on that night and, and get over the line. Um, you know, there's such a small difference in both teams on, on a night like that. We're on the wrong end of that for the three and four seasons, but I still think we, we played hard. We just didn't play our best. Geez, um, Luke Prittis had one hell of a game that night, didn't he? Yeah, he did, he did. When he won the Clive Churchill medal, everyone remembers the Sattler tackle, which was an amazing moment. But yeah, he, was, he controlled the game, Luke. The other man that really impressed me that night, I thought he had a huge game, Martin Lang in the middle, obviously uh, wet weather footy. He really took it to you guys, didn't he? You know what? Like the, what, what simple as that, and as, you know, we were all trying to organise organise intimidation and aggression and all of those things, but they were, they were relentless as a team, Penrith. They kept it super simple, um, big, powerful guys, hard to tackle. I mean, Martin was relentless no matter what the circumstances, but Portillo was in his Heyday, Nullahow, and then off the back of those guys charging in and, and um, yeah, Prittis and, and Gow were capitalising on, on those guys. Um, they, they, were, they were hard to handle. That's a good team. And young kids like that, Lewis and Rooney, that, that, that's a bloody good team and they were hard to hold out. And unfortunately, that fine moment for the, the big game um, went their way. And if you had your time again, it was, um, it's really hard to pick on one moment, but I just thought we just didn't... We, we played hard, but we didn't play our best dollar footy. Mate, after that, you go on the 2003 Ashes Tour and, you know, we touched on it earlier. They were all such close games. It's one of the most underrated series of rugby league ever. That was awesome. Oh, really good. Like, great experience. First game we were tour. A lot of injuries, actually. We had a lot of guys pull out and um, prior to the tour and then also the Great Britain squad. If you have a look at that team, it's a damn good Great Britain team. 
So that was a great series for us. And um, to win all three games on the bell and things that pop out of the, the Julian, no, no, we had a great time. But mate, the, the, the footy, the standard of footy was great. And, um, you know, Darren Lockyer's leadership in those games and he iced, he iced them for us. He was, it was an incredible opportunity to play alongside him for the first time and um, all at length. And anyway, but he was, he was remarkable that series, I thought. Who was your uh, who was your roommate on that tour? That tour was actually Phil Bailey. He's a good time, Phil Bailey. A bit of a sneaky one. Great fella, great fella, absolute champion. Um, it was we had such a good time. So he was he was my roommate. It was a ten week tour, so it was a fair stint. <laughs> yeah, it's Got a the good knock. Pretty well. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. We had a good time. Those tours were that was that was, that was good. Um, a good opportunity and an experience. Um, that was the first time I'd been in England, and oh, it was fantastic. Mate, 2004 rolls around and, you know, it's sort of, as the year went on, it became the Brad Fittler farewell tour, um, losing such a legend like that and then coming into that grand final. In my opinion, you know, I, I've got the 2004 Roosters and the 2001 Eels as possibly the two best teams to never win a premiership. It was one hell of a side, wasn't mm. it? Again, we had, we were very clear in how we were playing, what our objectives were. And like I said, we got close enough. Um, you know, Freddie was, Freddie was just nice um, over time, I'm biased because he's the best player I've ever played alongside because I saw him deliver so many times, you know. Um, knew at the end of an era, and um, yeah, it hurts that we don't we don't get the win by the end of the year. But uh, uh, before Freddie signed off, it was an opportunity to play alongside. He's just a legend, out now legend, and um, some of the stuff he could do in a game. Yeah, uh, it was a privilege to, to play alongside him. So. Just send him off with a, in, the, in the right fashion, and we didn't do that. In that game, that grand final, I think one play that stands out for me with Freddie, I'll never forget it. That that left foot banana reverse kick that he put in for Chris Walker, like he's the only bloke in rugby league that could have pulled off that play in a grand final. Just incredible his instincts. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. He, um, that was that's just one in a career full of them, really. You know, I can imagine how many tight games where he just jams that side step in and goes straight through under the post. It's just um, tough, big, skillful. Yeah, pull back into the thread. So, um, so I said, we'd still burn this now as players that we didn't send him off in the right fashion, but that's what he do. You can't, we can't fix that anymore and still acknowledge we had a great team and a great era that probably fell short there. I've been to a number of grand finals, probably 10 or 15 over the last 20 years. And I think that night there, the the atmosphere around it, it was just a grand final that had been coming for three years, the Roosters against Canterbury. It was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, they were in the August assembled a, a pretty fearsome team. And um, they were, uh, they were like you, you talked about, I think Bernie said he had um, players in the sweet spot and Canterbury had a team full of young guys and players in their sweet spot as well. And, um, I'm kicking game of show and just was clinical uh, at key moments. So. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, um, they were such a, a good squad. And, and in the end, they got the job done that day. Oh, 
But after that 2004 grand final, you know, you've always been a pretty calm and uh, collected character. In that kangaroo tour, uh, you end up in a little stink with Paul Sculthorpe. Fuck, you didn't miss him. Oh, yeah, he started it. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Nah, yeah, yeah, nah, I landed on him. He, he, on, on the ground, I actually squashed his head with my elbow, and then he lashed, he, he lashed out a bit, so I lashed back. But actually, um, can you believe I didn't? Um, he's a good man, actually. He's a great fellow. I've had heaps of conversations with him. He's a really good guy. And that was great testament for the internet. He can, he can get into that. And then there's no just play on, you know, like I didn't get sent off. I got I got charged. I didn't even get suspended. Like, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know how long I'd get suspended for if I tried to, you try to pull a stunt like that now. Um, no, we didn't get suspended, but often... Space up against the next one, so it was great. It was good old test match, hard footy, and um, you know, he tipped the cap. One thing I like about those guys is stress in the game, play, let's shake hands, boom, let's go, let's get ready to go next time. No, it's great. Did you uh, did you catch up with Paul for a beer after or anything? Uh, not straight after. No, I caught up obviously times throughout those those tours, but um, mate, I've, I've seen him around the traps enough, Scully, and um, actually talked to him the other night on a Zoom call. He was doing a ride for charity with a mate of mine, New and we got on and had a laugh about it and had a joke. He's a great fella. Mate, you return in 2005 to the Roosters, um, the Brad Fitlerless Roosters. What sort of a hole did he leave in the club? It's tough. There's a, um, probably a leadership back in there. And then um, you know, Rico took over there for a bit. And then the year after Rico left, there was like a, two, a two-stage a two process in, in a leadership back in. So just those guys, their presence and leadership around the club is huge. And, and I think we're all learning um, how to, you know, nowadays clubs are pretty well equipped to go, okay, this player of this calibre is leaving. What are we doing to fix it? Player of this calibre is leaving. What are we doing to fix it, you know? And I think at the time, the answer would have been, we'll just get rid of all old players and start again from scratch. But I think it's just about balancing those. When, you know, when you're, if you lose a leader like Freddie, you can't replace a guy like that. So what do you got to do? You got to try and get a, a good character to fit fit in somewhere. You know, maybe develop a young heart to fill his shoes, but extra uh, leadership player in the forwards, or you know what I mean? You got to account for that stuff. And um, that was two really big voids that we probably didn't fill. How did the game change for you when you became captain of the Roosters? Um, oh, well. I, Sort of handled it poorly to be perfectly honest to start with. It's just one thing that you, I love about coaching is analysis of yourself and um, and, and knowing where you go wrong and, and, and figuring that out. I think I was just too, well, I was just couldn't understand why people didn't think like me. It took a while to figure that out. And mate, the timing, I felt the pressure of being, um, felt like I was by myself in a leadership sense and then had Brace who was learning, but he was young um, when he'd come in. So, you know, again, just a huge leadership vacuum and, and I didn't probably get the job done as well as I liked. I think I got better at it over time, but, um, you know, that was a tough couple of years. Mate, after that, you obviously go into the coaching ranks with the Roosters. We've, we've already spoken about it briefly. There's just one last thing I want to ask you about. That 2018 grand final, obviously it looks extremely unlikely that Cooper Cronk's going to play and he, he essentially comes from the dead and plays that grand final. Tell me, how did that week unfold? When did you realise, shit, this bloke could actually play this grand final? Oh, no, he shocked the shit out of us, dude. Don't worry. Like, he, we, 
thought about resigning at the back and uh, I in my head we were going through all different scenarios, how we were going to play, who we were going to play and what we were going to do and all this stuff. And then even with um, Steph Brennan, I had a medical to see a, um, a different a doctor for a, a series of injections and, and see if that was going to work in his shoulder and numb the pain. And I remember coming to work the next day and I was just sitting in Robbo's office and I was chatting and Robbo said, kids is playing. And I was like, oh, look, what, huh? And he went, yeah. What morning was that, Craig? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember the particulars. I'm pretty poor with. Yeah, okay. Um, look, pretty poor with uh, time stamping going backwards. I've seen to just jump forwards too much. But I do remember clearly sitting there going, playing? I just couldn't. He come in all bubbly that morning. Yep, I can do it. I'm going to do it. I'm sweet. I was just going, man. Even still, I was just going, no, you can't. This won't happen. Like, I understand the gravity of the guy's injury. Shoulder blade was broken. Like, it just doesn't, yeah, unbelievable. Toughest, toughest footy feet I've witnessed. Mate, it must have been a pretty nervous time for you and Trent Robinson coming into that game. Like, obviously, you're playing Melbourne. They're the kings of targeting individual players. Like, obviously, you can't build an entire game plan around targeting a halfback, but you would have, you know, like, I, I, I didn't think Cooper Cronk had to make as many tackles in that game as I expected. I thought it was going to be a brutally tough night at the office for him. I thought they just run at him all day. Here's where I differ a little bit where um, I feel like with, um, with what players want to do, all, all the criticism of Melbourne or the criticism of um, other teams and clubs that before where what they'll say is, oh, how come you didn't target him? How come you didn't target him? And, mate, that's easy to say. If you want to target a guy that stands two or three positions in from the sideline, you're going to divert all your clubs your energy's attack out near the sideline. You're letting our forwards off the hooker. You're not winning the middle. You're not winning the battle. You won't win the battle. So if you want to change um, your style of play that you've had for an entire season to get to a grand final and then rock up and go, you know what? Why don't we just throw our attack out here, which you haven't done all year. It just doesn't make sense. It's too hard to, you know what I mean? It's too hard to, to change that. Sure, you've got to ask them some questions there, but... Um, you know, we would have, he would have, I think he showed, didn't he? He jumped in front of a couple anyway, didn't he? Oh, for sure, but, mate. He, he didn't yeah. miss all game. Fuck, he's a tough little home no, break. It is, but does that make sense here? Where if, you, if you're Melbourne, do you throw out what's got you the, the big dance in the first place just to target a guy out? And they, that, I, I would have thought too. I would have thought too. They, they, thought, they wouldn't have known right off the game that he was playing. You kept it under wraps. Tell me, when did the playing group find out and what was the reaction? I imagine it must have made a huge difference in that squad. Again, hindsight, I think it sharpened everyone to, to protect him and play a little bit harder and put their best performance in. I think that possibly gave us a positive advantage in the end. But, um, yeah, I, I can't remember the details of how it all happened, but um, just an incredible feat. Like, it really was. The guy was shot. He was a shot dark, but... The benefit of everyone inside and outside in protecting him was, uh, was huge and, and you know, maybe it made us surge even harder towards the finish line. I've got a couple of questions from my followers on Instagram. The first one is, yep. um, who was the toughest player you came up against? Um, yeah, you know what? I always uh, respected the hell out of Petro Sidney's lever. His relentless nature, just every game, rock hard non-stop, um, no frills, and just every time you, it's like hitting a rock-hard moving body over and over again. And you know, no matter how hard you hit it, it's still going to keep coming at you. <laughs> I think it's unfortunate in the modern game now, the way that front rowers are heading, that a guy like Petro Seven Seaver like 
his, you know, what what he brought to a game of footy, you know, it's it's almost now unfortunately being overshadowed by your, you know, your explosive front rowers that are breaking tackles that are offloading constantly. It's a yeah. real sign of how much the game has changed, isn't it? A bit, but Petro, if there would have been a damaging player now, and and just there's a reason all the teams that he played in over the course of his career were successful. You just got to you can't underestimate what those guys can do. You know that you're having the worst day out, and one of those guys trundled forward. They carried three defenders for an extra ten meters. That could be just the one moment that the rest of the team can capitalize on. You know. Mate, I uh, I congratulate you on everything you've achieved in your illustrious playing career and the fantastic things you're doing at the Roosters now. I can't wait until you get a head coaching gig somewhere. Really looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on today, mate. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Pleasure. Nice chatting and um, yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Fitzy, mate. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.